All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Worth It podcast. Uh, today on the show, we have Dale Alexander, who's just a leadership guru, speaks across all kinds of different platforms. Uh, we're going to dive into his background a lot today in the, in the show. Uh, but as a soft introduction, you know, he serves on the board of, of Camp Highland, Growing Leaders, an elder for North Point Ministries. He's wrote books, does uh, lessons, everything you can think about in leadership, got his uh, information from a good friend, Cliff Cole, and uh, gosh, we are just so fired up to have Dell here uh, with us today. Everybody's in for a treat. Unfortunately, Andy Dorsey uh, is off the show today. He had something come up, uh, but we'll probably do better without him. So we're we're excited uh, to have Dell here, and uh, we'll we'll get back with Andy at our our next show. Dell, how you doing, man? And I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well. You know, tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you've been doing, you know, throughout your career. Anything you want to share about your family uh, just to kind of get us started? Well, most importantly, married to Kimberly uh, and have we have three now adult kids, uh, a, a girl that graduated, young lady graduated from Ole Miss and uh, in Atlanta, Canton, and uh, a son who's at Kennesaw State about to graduate and uh, uh, our youngest Kid, son is at Ole Miss. He's a junior at Ole Miss, and uh, so I grew up in South Georgia, South Georgia guy, and uh, came to Atlanta and went to college, graduated from Georgia State, and uh, kind of fell in love with the study of money. And it'll, it'll I'll tell you why that's important. In my book coming up, and uh, uh, got out and went to work in insurance and uh, started working in benefits for schools and having a benefits broker working with school systems, handling benefits for 20 some odd years and uh, wrote a book and, and now just lead my company. And uh, so and leading my family. And that's awesome. As we kind of transition to that book, I know you mentioned Ole Miss. I'm, I'm sure I'm Lane Kiffin staying. So that's a, uh, that's good for Ole Miss. So I was shocked by that, <laughs> but you know, you, you talk about the book and you, you mentioned your family Let's kind of get into it about it. The, the talk about money. You know, a young adult's guide to the one decision that changes everything. You know, in the book, throughout reading it, what are the what why what inspired you to write this book? So, uh, like I said, I, I I grew up loving the study of money, and uh, um, I, I loved it, and uh, I was fascinated with what to do with money. And I'm always talking to my kids about money, and so one night in our kitchen. My middle son, Grant, he said, Dad, you need to tell this story to all of our friends. And so I kind of wrote it down and, and, and I said, get all your buddies when y'all come home for Christmas break. And so November of 2000 or December 2019, had all these kids in my in, in our uh, conference room, in my office building and did this lesson. And it was on Facebook Live and it kind of did well. And I, I said, man, this has got some legs. So then I wrote this little lesson called The Talk About Money. The reason I, I, I call it that, the talk about money, is when I do this talk in high schools, adults come up and they say one thing. First of all, where were you when I was 18? Where was this when I was 18? And the second thing they always say, almost without a doubt, is our parents never talked to us about money. All adults, most all adults say that. You know, we'll talk to kids about all different kinds of things, but they say they're never talked to us about money. And so I started going around to high schools giving this lesson and then uh it started getting bigger and bigger. And then a buddy of mine who's an editor publisher said, Dale, write your book. So I wrote the book and it came out uh, uh, this year, uh, May 
uh, Fox Business News did a national story on it and it kind of took off. And now I go all over the place talking to high schools and universities about money. So just to kind of veer, like if you're if you're re if you're hearing this for the first time, which I became very engaged and fascinated, didn't, and I'm going to dive into something in a little bit. If you're a middle aged person and maybe you've done good with money, but you haven't done great or you didn't you know you haven't followed all this advice to a t where, where do you go from here what's your what's your next steps and can you talk to your kids now about in other words you mean you mean in other words you mean like most people because right, right. most stuff is just right but let me go back to the point to the point of the whole lesson and kind of set it up and then i'll answer that so yes, are you if you if you're watching this and you're a parent or if you're a young adult about to go get your first real job just very quickly here's uh, a shameless plug, but our youth are going to get out and go get their first real job. And they're going to go from making basically nothing. I don't care what kind of part-time job you have. You're basically zero. And you're going to go to making the biggest check you've ever gotten in your life. When you got your first, Ryan, your first real adult job, it was probably the most money you had ever gotten in your, in your life on a regular basis, at least. No doubt. And you're going to go from basically zero to this biggest number you've ever gotten in your life. Instead of taking all of it, I want you to stop and only take 70% of it. Live on 70. Make 70 your 100. And then I want you to save 20% and give 10% away. I don't care who you give it away to. It's not important, Ryan, right now. All right? Make 70 your 100. 70 is still going to be the most money you've ever made in your life. You've never seen that much money. Stop at 70. The average American doesn't even stop at 100. We get credit cards and blow through it and live on about 105% of that check, right? And so I want them to get this one moment in their life to make whatever level they don't have a standard of living established. And whatever number they accept as their standard, that becomes their reality. Make sense. 100. Like most Americans, what do I do? There's a couple of things you can do. Number one, from this point forward, maybe you're living on everything that you make, or even maybe a little more than you make, which is a lot of Americans. Every new dollar that comes in your house for the rest of your life, every new dollar that comes in your life, every raise at work you get, every garage sale that you sell stuff, I mean, every, every car loan that you pay off, every new dollar that comes into your house, never take all of it. Take half of it. If you get a raise at work, take half of it. And if you keep doing that, every garage sale, don't take that money in, save that money. And if you keep doing that before long, you'll be living on a lower and lower. Imagine the raises you get at work if you just take half of that raise. Over time, you're going to be living on less and less of 100% of your salary, you know, 90%, 85% of your salary. The second thing is this. When you work and you have a, a, a retirement plan like a 401k, for example, make sure that those dollars that you save and invest are invested in the stock market, mutual funds, for example. Make sure you get with an advisor and don't put it in fixed, very safe, short-term, safe type accounts, but have that working hard for you. The stock market by far is the best place to have money long-term. It's not close. So the second thing is when you save money, 
through your, your plans at work, make sure that money is working hard for you. Get with an advisor to help you get it in the right places. Learn how to understand the stock market. And you can go to my website, thetalkaboutmoney.com and watch this lesson online. You can watch everything that we're talking about. And I get into, is the stock market risky? And we talk about that. So those two things, never take all the money, the new money that comes into your house. And the second thing is, if you're saving, you know, long-term at work, get it in investments that work hard for you. Those two things, at least. And that's great. You, you know, and, I, and I'm just going to speak to educators for just a second, because we have a lot of a variety of different listeners, but if we're, if we're looking at just educators, you know, I watched this uh, video and I had no idea it was you till we spoke on the phone. Uh, I've watched this video probably 10 times throughout my career. And, and it's the little red wagon or the million dollar wagon that you call <laughs> million it. Million dollar wagon. Yeah. Million dollar wagon. I call it a little red wagon from, from my childhood. But as you look at the million dollar wagon, that lesson, I'm going to, when we put this, we're going to put a link in the show notes to have people go directly there and watch it. Can you, sum that up best you can and leave a little teaser so we can get people to watch that uh, for educators. So my, my mom, yeah, this, this blows people's minds. My mom um, taught 26 years. My dad was a superintendent for 22 of his 31 years um, in education. And boy, Ryan, is there a leadership uh, story in my father? Wow. I'll get emotional telling it, but um when I say that, make this statement is if you retire a Georgia K-12 educator, it places you among the wealthiest retirees in the United States. Let me say that again. If you retire after 30 years as a Georgia K-12 educator, you are among the wealthiest. And in nine minutes, I prove this. You are among the wealthiest retirees in the United States. The corporate world is not close let me say that. It's not close. You are five to 14 times wealthier than the average corporate America, American retiree. So just here's here's a quick teaser. Um, and then I'll, I'll let you watch the thing to prove it. But if you retire, the average retirement of teacher retirement system is $41,000 a month. Now, you have in Georgia a defined benefit pension plan a retirement plan, a pension plan that pays you a, a, an amount of income for the rest of your life, right? 84% of the United States doesn't have that anymore. The majority of the country doesn't have that anymore. That's gone. They were too expensive. Companies got rid of them, went to 401ks. You still have that in Georgia, right? You have your 403B, but you have that pension plan with TRS, okay? It's one of the richest in the country. The average pension payment is $41,000 for an average American, uh, for an average Georgia retiree. The average, okay? If you came, I'm a certified financial planner. And if you came to a financial planner and you said, what body of money would I have to have? What body of money, investments, to pay off $41,000 in income for the rest of my life? Most financial planners would say, pay out no more than 4% of that body of money. That's a safe percentage to pay out. Like if the market goes down, you don't, you don't cut into bone. You don't go into your, your, your court, your body of money. That's a reasonable amount. And when the market's up, you make money. When the market's down, you don't, you don't cut into bone. If you divide $41,000 by 4%, that's $1,052,000. A body of money that you would have to have 
that the majority out there, the majority of the United States has to have that $1 million in the bank in investments to pay out what a Georgia K-12 educator gets by being in the business, okay? You would have to have my first million as a, as a private company owner, my first million is just matching what you have as a Georgia K-12 educator. And then if you look at the, well, what about the corporate world? Surely they have all this money. Well, let's look at the statistics. In the statistics, I go and I shall let people watch milliondollarwagon.com, milliondollarwagon.com. Because surely the corporate world has all these rich people, right? Surely all the money that they make, right? Surely they have all this wealth. Go look at what the average corporate retiree has in their 401ks in the United States. And it's nothing. It's very little. And that's the only qualified retirement plan that they have. They don't have what you all have. The vast majority of America doesn't. So Georgia K-12 educators are among the wealthiest retirees in the country. And then I tell a lot more stuff to prove that in addition to the money thing, there's many more advantages of being a K-12 educator. And that, I love educators. Yeah. My parents, again, both of them were. I love education. I, teach, I work with schools. So anyways. No, the, the fascinating part for me was the way you break it down. Like I just said, the little red wagon, you know, it's the million dollar wagon. It's just amazing how you break it down in that video. I really do know that people are going to go out and listen to these things and just be amazed. You know, I, I stumbled across uh, a video happily ever before, um, which is my top five videos. I, I, I watched probably, I don't know, five to 10 videos a, a week and listen to podcasts all the time. I'm a leadership junkie. One of my top five, and I stumbled across this uh, happily ever before. And you in that video, which we're going to make sure people go see this video because it's, it's incredible. Um, you say poor people should take rich people to lunch. Uh, explain that. Mm. Mm. So uh, that's a great. I'm glad you said that. That's a. I love that thought. Is is poor people should take rich people to lunch. And this has nothing to do with money, Ryan. Nothing to do with money. So if you're thinking that, stop. Don't don't think that. Is 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 I you know there are people that are rich in things that 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 I may be poor in. Like for example, there are people who may be rich in how they manage money. They may be rich in how their marital relationship is. They may be rich in their spiritual walk. They may be, may be rich in their work ethic. They may be rich in their physical, their physical health. And, and, and when I say rich, just more fulfilling lives, and they do it better than I do. I may be poorer in that area than somebody else. You see what I mean when I say rich or poor? I mean, having a, a doing that well or doing that poorly. And there are people who may be doing things well in a certain area of their life, relationally, spiritually, environmentally, uh, physically, right, financially, and poor people, as 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 maybe I'm poorer in that area than somebody else, I should be taking them to lunch. It should not be the other way around. I should be taking them. So poor people should take rich people to lunch. Poor in some area that I want to be better in. I should be taking them to lunch, not the other way around. It's not how you get it. It's not how you get there. I should be taking them, not the other way around. So I love that thought. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you for that. Well, I love what you say about rich. You know, of course, I've watched the video several times and 
like I said, it, it's not just about money. It's about different things. And there's people that I look up to that I've never, I mean, you being one of them, I, I've never met before that, you know, you can, you can follow. There's so many ways now to, to get better. It's just up to us. And I, I love your thought on that. Um, the same video, you know, happy ever before. You talk a lot about, you know, spirituality and God and God sends his answers now more than ever. It's up to us to look for the signs. I think we get so bogged down with social media and, you know, the thief of happiness is comparison. What are some of the signs been in your life from God? Um, uh, 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 one of my pastors, one of the things that we, we don't do is, is be aware of the drift. I'm here in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, and the marsh is right there. The beach is, the ocean is one mile that way. And I love going out in the ocean. And most people love going out and playing in the ocean. And have you ever noticed that, I'm going to answer your question roundabout, that when you go out in the ocean and you're playing and you're out there for 30 or 45 minutes, and when you're ready to go back in, have you ever noticed how you're a quarter of a mile down the beach? Have you ever noticed that you drifted? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we're never aware, as my as my pastor Andy Stanley said, no one realizes when they're getting lost, but they realize when they are lost. And so the reason is 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 we're we're not aware of the drift. And 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 if you think about this in my in my book, the talk about money, it's one of the reasons that people get to the end and say, "What happened?" You know what happened? What happened to my my financial life? What happened to my physical health? What happened to my marriage? What happened to my relationship with my kids? It's we weren't aware of the drift. And there's a constant pull on us all the time. It's the law of entropy. It's the second law of thermodynamics. Most things move to wear out, to rust out, to, to wear out. And you have it takes intentional effort against that natural drift and that natural movement. Just pay aware, pay attention and be aware of things in our lives. So um you know, just just I would just say in 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 the important areas of their life in our, our lives, our relationships, our our profession, our physical, our environmental, our spiritual, our financial, just be aware of what's going on. It's one of the, the kind of the greatest things that, that I can ever tell people. Just be aware. You know, I love what you say about the drift. And I wanna I wanna camp out there for just a second. How can we avoid, you know, referring back to the video again, because I love it, but how can we avoid the finish line getting moved from us? You know, I'm guilty of this. Like, I'm, you know, when I'm home, sometimes I feel like I should be at work. I'm not vice versa. I should, if I work late, I feel like I should be at home with my kids. Like, how can we stop this rat race and avoid the finish line from getting moved and, and just live a meaningful life? So, um, gosh, in, in order to know where you're going on a trip, you, you need two things. Where do you want to go and where are you? Where do you want to go and where are you? And it helps define how you're going to get there. First of all, what is you have to define what it is that you're shooting for, Ryan, right? And a long time ago, I said, here's, here's what I want my success to be. My success is having the affection and admiration of my wife. The obedience and love of my children. And there's importance in all of these words, the affection and admiration of my wife, the obedience and love of my children, 
the pride of my parents and the respect of my friends and colleagues, right? The affection and admiration of my wife. And it takes a lot to get that and to earn that. The obedience and love of my children, the pride of my parents and the respect of my friends and colleagues. And so when you say drift and there are keystone habits, listen, keystone habits. I love one of the talks that I do is called how to be a better me. And there's, I'm going off topic again, hang there, there, there are six core components of all of our lives that we deal with. The relational part of our life, the professional part of our life, the physical part of our life, the environmental part of our life, the financial part of our life, and the spiritual part of our life, right? And by the way, if you say you don't have a spiritual life, let me go ahead. If the pilot comes on and says brace for impact, you will very quickly develop a spiritual spoke to your life. I'm just going to go ahead and address it right now. But in, in each of these areas, there are keystone habits that you can set that that kind of help you, that kind of help you have success in that area. For example, if I want success in my marital relationship, I can set a keystone habit of going to a marriage seminar, a marriage conference with my wife. Every February, we're blessed to get to go to this marriage retreat, and it kind of kicks off the year and, uh, you know, so that's that can be a keystone habit of that one thing. For example, physically, a keystone habit would be sign up for a 10K or a 5K race or a bigger, a marathon. That keystone habit is going to make you sleep well, eat well, drink well, think well, exercise well, wake up well. And that keystone habit is going to set that, 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 that area in your life to do it well, that keystone habit. So you got to know back to your question. You got to know what success is and then just watch the drift, right? Got to stay out of the comparison trap, first of all. Yeah. And I love what you said about Keystone Habit. I call them big rocks. You know, we're at the time, mm -hmm. the time we're recording this, it's over Thanksgiving. Uh, just finished that break. And, you know, I sit down and I've tried to just gain clarity. And I think that's what you're speaking about here, which I get mm -hmm. bubbled up and mine just this past week i told my wife i want to be my kids and her hero that's it i want to be my kids and her hero uh from their standpoint and what am i going to do to to look like that well if i'm staying here till 10 o'clock every night working that's not it um so again i love what you say and i want i want to camp there again what are mm -hmm. some, what are some keystone habits that you look at or your big rocks and then what are some of those routines that you've done to kind of help you uh, complete the mission or, or go towards it? Uh, the, 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 the habit, the, the habits, the, the areas, let me go back, you know, the six areas in my life that I try and focus on is the relational part of my life. And it's the relationship with, with my spouse, obviously with first with my, my, my Lord, my, my God, and with my spouse and with my children, um, the professional part of my life. You know, how am I developing in that? What am I doing to 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 hone that craft, the physical part of my life? You know, what's that? And as a, I have a great point about the physical part. Let me just quickly say this. The shape that we want to be in, and I dealt with this this morning before I went on a run. The shape that I am in and the shape that I want to be in. What stands between that difference? It's. It is the first movement of going from comfortable to uncomfortable. 
comfortable. For example, I want to stay in shape physically. One of the ways I do that is I run and I'm a morning runner because I know if I come home in the afternoon, I'll never do it. So as Josh Medcalf says, you know, set, set out all your stuff in the morning, know what you're going to put on, set it out, make it easier for you. But it's that laying in the bed and roll, literally rolling the sheets back and stepping on the floor is the hardest part of getting in shape. It's the movement of going from comfortable to uncomfortable. Comfortable to come. Because once I stand up and go start putting on my shorts and shoes, it's on then, right? Right, it's on. But it's that, gosh, this is comfortable. Marvin Hagler, remember the boxer Marvin Hagler? Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Yes, he sir. had a great, a great business quote. He said this. It's hard to do road work when you're sleeping on silk sheets. Hmm. It's hard to do road work when you're sleeping on silk sheets. It's why it's why winners don't repeat. It's why you don't repeat a championship because you got comfortable, right? Absolutely. It's comfortable to stay in the living room. It's comfortable to stay in the bed. And it's that it's hard to do road work when you're sleeping on silk sheets. Oh, that's so powerful. And that's what stands between most anything that we want and where we are. It's harder to be obedient to my wife and to, to serve my, it's hard. It's hard to be a great parent. It's hard. But you got to know what you want and set some easier paths. Atomic Habits. The book Atomic Habits. Great book. Great book. Is a great is a great book about tiny little things. Every day. Tiny little things. Every day make huge impacts down the road, right? Tiny little impacts. Great book. I forget James Clear. James Clear wrote that. Yes, he's sir. a great Twitter follower. I hate, I hate Twitter, but it's a great he's a great follow follow on Twitter. James Clear. Isn't that who wrote that book, James Clear? Yeah, no doubt. And I think with him too, with that book, you know, just kind of just that 1% impact that you, you know, if you could invest in that. And I love what you said about just pulling over the sheets. Like, no doubt, I ran this morning. The hardest part is freezing, is getting out of that bed because I'm comfortable. Then once I get up, put the shoes on, it's happening. It's going to happen. It's a, uh, but it's, it's that movement, that movement right there is all the difference between where I am and where I want to be. And you can say that to be, I mean, it's a, it's an analogy for lots of things in life. Go serve your children, go serve your wife, you know, get better at work. Whatever that is, whatever you're that going from comfort to discomfort, you just got to break through that. No doubt. And it's hard to, hard to do road work when you're sleeping on the silk sheets. Wow. That's, that's powerful. That's going to be framed and going up in my office here with all my sheets and notes that I, I don't know if this is for our listeners or just for me today, but we'll, we'll take it. So as we, we kind of transition here, I know Andy Stanley, you know, you, you reference him and one of my, one of my favorites along with my, mm. my pastor, Mike, mm. Miller, but who, who fills your, who fills your cup up and who challenges you to be comfortable being uncomfortable? Is your, did you say your pastor's Mike Lynch? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I just had the opportunity to meet him and we now we're texting just what a fantastic human, great leader, 
lunch with a lunch with a leader, uh, lunch with a leader. Um, so I, I love knowing him now in my life. No doubt. I'm in um, a leadership study with him, uh, meet with him all the time. Without him, I don't, I don't know where I'd be. I wouldn't be sitting right here with a, with a beautiful family. I promise you that. Man, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people would feel the same way, Ryan. Um, so what was your question to me? Who fills your cup up? Who gets you motivated? What do you, who, who's your person? Um, so, uh, Andy, my pastor, we would all, I would all hope that we would say our pastors, first of all, our pastors, um, mine's Andy Stanley, um, uh, Tim Elmore's good friend of mine. He uh, has a company called Growing Leaders, uh, Tim Elmore. Um, I just love, uh, uh, just reading great thought leaders. Uh, I, I, I love pastors, uh, uh, uh Mark Batterson, um, uh, John Eldridge. Uh, so lots, lots of kind of business and spiritual, uh, Christian leaders. I just love Tony Dungy. What a great, uh, humble leader he is. Right. No doubt. And uh, I have to put you on the spot, but do you have a favorite one-liner for Mandy Stanley? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a thousand, or, um, or a sermon. What, what's your biggest takeaway from, from Andy, from an intangible standpoint? Probably, um, I mean, good grief, guardrails or his that's, Nehemiah. That's I was just thinking um, his, his, his study on Nehemiah um, said, I'm doing a great work and I can't come you down. Cannot come down. As, yep. as Nehemiah, and there's a thousand that Andy's done that that uh, that I could roll off. But but when Nehemiah's rebuilding the wall and Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and all, I'm trying to get him off that wall and they send him notes and try and distract him. And I've never heard it put like this. And he's trying to rebuild this wall. And he says, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Right. And so we have to be committed to the great work that we're doing. First of all, we have to know the work that we're doing and stay committed to doing the great work and not come down off that wall. But I mean, a, 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 a thousand that, uh, that Andy said, good grief. Man, I, when I think about that sermon, I know the one you're referring to. When I was a head basketball coach, I, I would have my team listen to that, not from a spiritual standpoint, um, but just from the the commitment it took to, you know, to be to have a weapon in one hand and you're you're building the wall in the other. Man, just what a great illustration uh, for our life. I think about my family during that. Of, you know, I'm 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 doing a great work, and it's not me, it's God, but. But I'm uh, entrusted with this. Yeah. Got to do it, and that's that's so good. You know, Amen. you go here uh, to kind of finish things up here because I could go on and on forever. And but a good name is more desirable than good riches. You have accomplished all these things in your life, and you have such a great heart for giving. What what would you say to people who were who are tied up in the comparison trap? I know you mentioned it earlier, but you know what would you say to people about a good name is more important than all these fake riches. Um, my father. Sorry. Um, my dad became a superintendent at 34. I would say that character leaves a, a legacy and a wake. 
And my dad <clears throat> became a superintendent at 34 and uh, in South Georgia. His longtime mentor suddenly died and superintendent. Dad gets thrust into this leadership position at a young age. And it was the first year of integration in Georgia schools. You can imagine in South Georgia, your first day at work and a state patrolman lying in the top steps of your school. And uh, dad handled that day and the next 21 with amazing grace and character. And uh, here's, here's how I can say that. You know, I came along behind my dad working in the school business and uh, uh, working with schools. And I've talked over the years to hundreds of people that have known my father. And when you're a superintendent for 22 years, people, a lot of people will know you. And none of these people have ever said that my father was anything less than a great man. They go on and on about my father. Now, my dad, when he was coming along, he didn't make those decisions. Listen, our house was shot, shot because of decisions my dad made about kids and not about race. You know, my mom hung up the phone crying for being cussed out like a dog because of decisions my dad made about kids and not about race. We got run out of a town. We lost friends because of decisions my father made. And Ryan, I was in a um, small group study at my church one night, a leadership study, and we, a young men's leadership development group, and we told the stories of our families. And of the 10 young men in there, only one of them had a decent family unit growing up, one. And when I told the story of my father, nine of the 10 young men had tears in their eyes. We're starving. We're starving to follow people of great character, Ryan. And our children are starving to have parents of great character. Characters like a weight behind a boat. You know, my dad didn't make those decisions because I was going to be coming along behind him. That's not why he did it. He did it because he had character. And I reaped the rewards of that character coming behind him. And I told this story in Happily Ever Before. I was at a, a, a board meeting in South Georgia school. And I was telling this about to get their business for benefits. And I was telling the story of my father as a superintendent. And the board chairman stops me and he says, is your dad Warren Alexander? And I couldn't wait to say, yes, sir, that's my father. Because I knew the gift that I was about to receive. And he said, I know this boy's daddy. He's a great man. He must be a great man, too. And I couldn't wait to say, that's my father, because I was about to get a gift, Ryan. Yep. And it's because character leaves awake. Hmm. Man, I tell you what, I, I know that things happen for a reason, but I am so glad that Cliff Cole connected us. This is uh, this has been special. This is going to help a lot of people, and uh, it, it's going to help me. I can't wait to connect with you more and and, you know, I hope my kids will go back one day and say, I can't wait for that person to say they knew my dad. It's just, uh, 
man, that's powerful. That's powerful right there. And I, I can't thank you enough. And as, as we kind of close and wrap up, where can people find you at? So just go to dalealexander.com. So go to my site, dalealexander.com. I've got six or seven sermons, I guess, uh, lessons slash sermons and uh, um, that are on there. The, the resources you can go to. So that's dalealexander.com. On that, you can also go to thetalkaboutmoney.com, thetalkaboutmoney.com and see everything about the book, the brochure, um, you can order the book. Everything is there. You can watch the lesson online. So, uh, and you can get that off dalealexander.com as well. But uh, just uh, if anyone would like me to speak at churches, organizations, speak on money to your youth, any, I just want to get in front of as many young adults, Ryan, as I can. Just get me in front of young adults. Miami-Dade County Schools has ordered 25,000 books for all of their ninth graders in Miami. Isn't that incredible? For all the ninth graders in Miami-Dade, 25,000 of them, they're going to hopefully learn a life lesson about money that will make them one of the wealthiest, not richest, wealthiest, most generous people in the world. And I'm more concerned about the generous part. So uh, anyways, that's how. Yeah. And, and I think... I appreciate you, man. Thank man, you so much. Man, I just want to acknowledge you because what a blessing it is for me and for for all our uh, our audience and, and people that, you know, you talked about ripples and ripple effects. I think today is going to have ripple effects for sure. Uh, and it's going to go out and allow people to touch other people and things you'll never know about, which is just uh, what it's all about. And, and just as you know, you, Dale talked about the importance of giving. If you're, if you're looking for a, a place to give and you're a loyal listener, of course, we'd love to, uh, to take anything that you can uh, give and donate. Uh, just last week, we we had another kiddo get another hearing aid uh, because of your donation. Says we we're up to twelve thousand and three hundred and thirty three dollars in a little over a year. So thank you guys so much from the bottom of our heart for giving, for donating, for caring, and uh, for being a listener for our, to our show. Uh, Dale, thanks for being on the Worth It podcast today, brother. Honored, brother. Thank you, man. Love what you're doing. <laughs>